Get it? <sighs> Won't use that one next time. Hey, my name's thanks, guys. Um, my name's Ben. I don't know if you got man. That that was pretty sick. That whole um, music thing. Let's pray. <laughs> I was just playing. Let's don't pray. Um, all right, God, we thank you for tonight, and God, we just really ask. Um, with that music, it was just so powerful, and God, I pray that your spirit can continue to just uh, make things happen tonight. And Father, we just ask, we pray that through your word, our hearts would be opened, and, and as your word says, it's just like a double-edged sword, and God, it can pierce us to the core, and God, I just pray that with all the, the storms and, and the cloudiness of life and, and, the, and the muddledness of life that happens, God, that you can allow your word to just pierce through all of that, God, pierce to our, our, our hearts God, through the walls that we have broken and the walls that we have built up towards you, and that you can just speak to each one of us individually tonight so that we can just become people who are more like you, people who you want us to desire for us to be. In Jesus, we ask this. Amen. All right. Um, if you don't know me, I spoke, uh, I don't know, a bunch of times last semester, and um, you probably might know my name, but you might not know me because last semester, most of the time, we were in the dark. Um, so here's what I look like. My name's Ben. Yep, thanks. Um, I, uh, I don't know. All right. Here's, here's, here's what happens. All right. I'm, I, I'm not a very good, like, now let me explain. You know what I mean? I just, sometimes I'm real honest. Um, tonight, I'm really excited about the text that we're going to be in, and not so much because um, you guys probably need to hear it, but more so because I need to hear it, and I think you guys probably need to hear it as well. Um, but it's just this amazing thing, and, and here's kind of how I present it to you. I want to talk about tonight, if we can for a little bit, um, the reason to put it in a very not eloquent way, um, why most times ministries and our personal relationship with God suck towards the end of the school year and the end of the semester. Um, if you're a Baptist, I'm sorry, I just said suck. It is okay in college. Um, if that's not okay with you, go back to middle school ministry, and we'll pray for you. Um, but, <laughs> sorry. But I don't, I don't know if you guys have ever noticed this or ever seen this kind of take place. Um, but it, it, it's kind of something that in campus ministry world that we know is almost inevitable. And it's just that, you know, in, in August, you know, when you're in the amphitheater and it's dark and everybody's, you know, whatever, and then everything's brand new, and it's like, hey, yeah, we're going to go run down the halls and invade hell with squirt guns and we're all pumped up about Jesus, right? And you just came back from this cool like summer project or mission trip or I don't know what it was for you and you're just really pumped up about it, right? And what happens is inevitably towards, you know, you get down to December and then you get back to January and it's a little bit fun again but then about the time February hits, ministries start to stink and it kind of starts to fade off and when you had 200, now you have about 100 and when you had a really good quiet time before, now you don't really have good quiet time and it's just kind of inevitable that in life, or in ministry, things kind of fade away and things kind of dwindle off. And I want to talk about why that is tonight. And I want to talk about, especially from an organizational standpoint, why that happens with Campus Crusade, why that happens with the church that I'm the youth pastor at. Because here's why this really matters. is because what happens as an organization or what happens as a church is almost always indicative of the people's personal relationship with God. That is to say, if ministry is usually going great, that probably means your relationship with God's going great. If ministry sucks and people aren't getting reached and, and good things aren't happening and spiritual fruit, as John 15, chapter 5, John chapter 15, verse 5 says, that if you remain in me and I remain in you, then you wear, will bear good fruit. And so there's not really like a choice. Like if I'm remaining in God, my relationship with God's good, then I'm going to bear good fruit. 
But we can kind of take the opposite of that, where if I'm not bearing good fruit and the ministry is not going well, chances are it's because my relationship with God sucks and I'm not remaining in him. So I want to talk about tonight why that is. And why it seems like every single semester, it doesn't work out. Every single semester, we get to about April, and we're just kind of like hanging on with the core, you know, people of the organization. In your quiet times, when you, when you first got back from school or when you first got back from home and you did whatever, you had a cool God experience. You got back from camp. You, who, who all went to uh, the, what is it called, Unveiled? Is that right? Accurate? That's some Unveiled, right? And, and if you went to Unveiled, that's kind of like a conference thing that they went to. Um, chances are you came back and you were just like super pumped up about it. And you had this like Jesus like, you know, I got, I don't even know a song that describes that. But I feel like I was going to make one up there. It didn't work out. But you're just really pumped up about God and everything. And for you, and I understand there's probably some people in here um, that you don't have like a, you're not real Jesus-y, I guess you could say. You're not real churchy and all that kind of stuff. Um, so maybe, maybe this is your story. That one night you were having a conversation with somebody in the dorm room and all of a sudden spiritually a lot of things started to make sense to you. And then throughout time they just kind of dwindled off. Or you went to something when you were a teenager at a youth group, whatever it was. And as time went on, you had this passion for God, and now you're just kind of passionless. It's just kind of a bland. It's kind of like, the best way I can describe it um, is it's kind of like you're eating a cardboard box for your spiritual life. Does that make sense? Like, you know how much a cardboard box would probably suck to eat? That's like your relationship with God, a little description. Or if I could put it a little bit better, um, you ever had rice with nothing on it, just like rice? You ever done that before? I didn't know. I, um, I was cooking. I've gotten to cooking lately, uh, BT-dub, which means, by the way, if you're not cool. Um, I got into cooking lately, and I started cooking, and, and I made this cool little dish one night. And the next night, I was going to make some, there was like a chicken with some cool little onion sauce on it. And, and the next night, I was going to make some, uh, some broccoli to go with it. We didn't have any broccoli. We had rice. So I was like, okay, this is going to be great. I'm going to make rice, put it on, put rice, and then put the, the chicken on the rice and put the tomato, not tomato, onion sauce over the stuff. And it sounds really good because it was. Okay, so I'm, so I'm making this whole little, like, dish, and I got my rice with it, and I'm kind of pouring it all in. Um, well, I'm used to brown. Has anybody ever been to One Fresh Stir Fry? Because that's, like, my hometown. I love One Fresh. If you don't go there, you need to first get saved and then go to One Fresh. be the two greatest moments of your life. I go to One Fresh, and, and my standard order is I get brown rice with chicken, um, double thing of chicken, and then I get carrots, onions, and... Corn, teriyaki number two, greatest sauce ever invented, with bacon bits on top, okay? And when I go there and I do that, like, the brown rice is just like, like, I'm, great, I've never had the brown rice alone, but I'm thinking the brown rice is great. And so I'm back at my house, and I'm like, this is going to be like one fresh brown rice, you know? I go to the store, I'm like picking up like the cool, you know, I love Publix, because like, they have like, like the, the name brand stuff that's like 20 cents better, right? And when you pick like the 20 cent better kind, you feel like you're a baller, you know, it's like... I got a nickel. You know what I'm saying? With a nickel's five cents and I said 20. Um, but then when, like, you, you save your 15 cents or 20 cents, you just feel like you're so thrifty and, like, I'm economical because times are tough. It's like, get out of town. It's rice. Um, so I make this brown rice, and, and I cook it up and all that kind of stuff, and, and I haven't put any salt in any butter, or, which is great on everything, and I haven't put any of that stuff in it. And then, so I try it, and, you know, I don't dip the spatula in. I kind of dip it in and pour it on a spoon because I want to be health conscious and our sanitation conscience. And so I eat the rice. And I don't know if you guys have ever just eaten rice with, like, nothing in it, but it sucks. And it's just really, really, really bland. 
And you're sitting there eating it, and I was just like, this could be the worst thing I've ever tasted in my life. And so I started putting all kinds of butter and all kinds of salt and all kinds of stuff in there to kind of spice it up. But, but as I was thinking about this and kind of our relationship with God, I feel like that is an incredible description of what our relationship with God feels like sometimes when it gets towards the end of the semester. That it used to be kind of this great dish, and you had this mentality of what it was going to be like, and then it comes to, to time, to fruition, in February, March, April, and all of a sudden it's just bland. And it's real awful. I want to talk about why that is. And open up to Hebrews chapter 12. And I just want to kind of dismiss this thought real quick, if we can, while you're flipping Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And I really don't think this is the case, well, mainly because it's not biblical. Um, but I know a lot of times the thought is, well, it just kind of gets old, you know? Um, it's just kind of like, I don't know. I mean, I've been going for a while, and they're kind of doing the same thing. And kind of singing the same songs, and they're kind of doing that whole thing, you know? But, I mean, I, I look at the book of Acts, for instance, and I see, you know, Jesus Jesus had this incredible ministry for three years. I never see when, when Jesus was alive, the disciples were like, oh, this whole Jesus thing's getting old, and this whole healing people and changing people's lives is kind of getting old. And then, you know, Jesus died, and the whole book of, book of Acts took place. I never see the disciples like, dude, that whole love of Christ and Christ and him crucified, that was like so nine months ago, you know? That was cool when I came back off of Pentecost, but now we're back, and it's just, that's, that's, that's just, you know, I, I, ugh, it's just bland. It's just, you know, and, and we kind of try to, to sum it up sometimes to a program that's not cool enough or something's going on like that. And it just gets old. I, I just don't think that's the case, and I'm going to try to spend the rest of the time proving it. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. This guy named Paul writes this, and he's writing it to the people that are strictly a Jewish community almost. So they call it the Hebrew, the book of Hebrews, because Hebrews are the Hebrew people were also the Israelites and they were also the Jews. It's all kind of synonymous and they were named one and the other and they were interchangeable. So Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 to a very Jewish community says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, which he refer, he's referring back to chapter 11. If you want to read a cool little thing, he's talking about these guys that have just had unbelievable faith in the Bible. And the, the Jewish community knew the Old Testament really well. And so he goes through and he names off person after person after person. He said, this person had amazing faith. And that person had amazing faith. And that person has amazing faith. And he just goes through all of chapter 11 and says, that person, that person, that person, that person, that person. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, not as in like they're in this, this, this clouds, like witnessing what's going on, but like we're a part of that group cloud of witnesses, what he means by that. So he says, since we're such like a big part of this team, and there's all these amazing people and all these God-focused people who have been a part of who we are for so long. Since, since we're a part of that, let's do this. And he says two things here, which only get bundled into one. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run the race with perseverance or endurance. He's saying, we've got to do two things. We're going to come back in a second. But it's really important to see this. He says, because we've got a race to run. We have something that God's marked out for us to do in the work that God's prepared for us to do. And so in order to run that race, here's the first thing we got to do. we got to throw off every weight that hinders us. I love how the, King, the New King James puts this. It says, let us throw off every weight that hinders us. 
And I love this thought. Because, and here's, here's what I want us to make this distinction. Because whenever I used to read this during quiet times, I'd be like, okay, the weight that he's talking about is the sin that he's talking about. When he says the weight that, that, that hinders us, he's talking about the sin that weighs us down. But there's two definitely distinct things. Because he says the weight and the sin. And here's what I want to kind of propose for this verse. Is that is it possible that there's things in our life that weigh us down in our relationship with God that aren't necessarily sinful? For instance, I had a conversation with a guy the other day. And he was telling me about how one of his problems was that he just didn't feel like he could be useful to God. He had a negative self-view and a self-image of himself. So because of that, he just said, you know, I I just don't feel like I have anything to offer. I don't think I can do anything any good. And I don't think I have that much to offer God. A true statistic, studies show 9 out of 10 students, by the time they reach kindergarten, have a negative self-view of themselves. Negative self-view of themselves. I feel like that's repetitive. That's how I'm going to say it for the rest of the night. Does 9 out of 10 do? That means if you look around, 90% of us, by the time we were in kindergarten, already had some kind of a negative perception of ourselves. And that isn't sinful, but it can be incredibly weighing on your relationship with God. Maybe for you, the weight that hinders you, this one's kind of convicting, not to me, but to somebody. That sucks, doesn't it? But, but how about this? How about this? How about a, a relationship that's hindering you? Maybe, maybe it's not an ungodly relationship, but you know that it's not really going to work out and it's not really going to happen. And those of you guys who are like in a relationship right now and you're in here, you're like holding pinkies, like, that's not us, that's not us, that's not us. I don't care, you know, whatever. But maybe it, it, it's a relationship that you know, and, and this, is, this, is so tip, this is so typical. It's a relationship that you're in that you know that that's not the person for you. And it's not like you're having, you know, you're doing ungodly things or it's an immoral relationship. You just know that it's not going somewhere. And, and you're in that relationship because of the fact that you need somebody to say that you're going out with. And you're not in sin for being in that relationship. But over time, that relationship can definitely become very much a weight on your relationship with God. Maybe for you it's this. And this is a huge one. In fact, in our youth group, we did an entire series on this. Maybe for you, the thing that hinders you that's not sinful but it weighs on you is the past. Because of what happened last Friday night, because of what happened last summer, because of what happened last spring break, you have fresh in the forefront of your mind always that thing that you did and who you were. And because of who you were, you, it's, it's very difficult for you to become who God wants you to be because you can't forgive yourself. In fact, we said probably the number one determinant or the, the number one deterrent from you becoming who God wants you to be is who you were. And the constant reminder of that. Because when you messed up, you don't feel like you can become that godly or that holy. And the past weighs you down. For me, just so I can be open and I know some of y'all feel convicted, so I'm just going to share my conviction. For me, a lot of times, what, what deters me and what weighs on me is my desire for success. I know um, Stuart, if y'all were here two weeks ago, um, kind of a big guy spoke, and he was making fun of me and talking about my passion in life as a Rubik's Cube, which I can dominate in two minutes, by the way. Um, mess one up and bring it afterwards, and I'll... And, uh, and, and for me, I almost have, like, this obsessive-compulsive thing where it's like, if I set my mind to something, like, I'm going all out for that stinking thing. I can't just, like, kind of... Like, stuff that I don't care about, like school, I was really good at being okay with failing in. You know, because I didn't really care about school. Not that you should be like that. That's how I was. But when it came to stuff that I actually cared about, if I thought that I might fail at it, sometimes that will 
just completely discouraged me from going after it. And sometimes for me, the fear of failure can weigh on me and can hurt my relationship with God. And here's what I'd be guessing. I'm not saying this is everybody, but for a lot of us tonight, there's probably something in our life that isn't necessarily sinful, that's definitely weighing on our relationship with God. And doesn't this make so much sense? And I love this because I feel like the Bible is so logical and we just mess it up sometimes. But it doesn't make so much sense because we're trying to run this race, as the Bible puts it, with endurance. We're trying to run from all the way from one year to the next year to the next year to the next year to the next year. And doesn't it make sense? I want somebody to go try to run on a treadmill for five miles or run out on the track for five miles with the 50-pound weight on their, on their, on their back, Jack, on their back, 50-pound weight jacket on their back. That's why I messed that up. And see if you can make it. You know, take your personal best and see if you can do half of that with a 50-pound weight. Now, <laughs> a couple weeks ago, um, some of you guys might know this guy named Dave Rohn. Dave Rohn is um, a guy who leads worship sometimes. And I, I just think he's the most amazing person ever um, because he is tall, Asian, likes McDonald's, and can sing. So he's just amazing in my book. He's incredible. And he was leading worship at our youth group a couple weeks ago. And, and I, don't know, I don't know why this is, but some reason, because of, because of the fact I'm big, everybody likes to see if they can give me a piggyback ride. It's like the cool thing. Like, let's get the big guy, you know? So, so he's like, dude, can I, let me give you a piggyback ride. And so I'm like, all right. So he, like, I'd hop on his back, and he's just like, oh, you know? Kind of like that initial, like, holy crap, what did I get myself into, right? And so he starts running. And this is, like, in our sanctuary, because that's where we have our youth at. And it's in our sanctuary. And he starts to take this, like, curb. Now, he doesn't realize that. I have, he, he's got 250 on his back. Like, I'm a big guy, okay? So, and so he starts going, he just tries to plant, and he, like, almost lays it over in the pew, and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm all not to him. And he starts running, and, and by the time we got around to the other side of the, the, the church, and we started going back to where we were, because make this big kind of like square, he's just like, oh, oh, you know, he's pulling one of those things. And that's so, so, so accurate of a description of our relationship with God sometimes. That we're sitting there and we got this huge weight on our back. And we wonder why three weeks after camp, we don't even feel the Holy Spirit in our life anymore. And we're acting nothing like Christians. Because you got a weight on your back. I love the next thing he says. This is, oh gosh, this is so convicting to me. He says, And the sin that so easily entangles us, or the sin that so easily ensnares us, that's just such an accurate, again, description of what sin is in our life. See, we don't have to read like a long list of this could be the sin that ensnares you, and this is the sin that entangles you. Because all of us know what it is for us. But isn't it cool how the Bible says it's easily, you easily get ensnared by it? Isn't that correct? That's really, really easy for that one sin or that one arena to get entangled in it. And I love the justification that we make a lot of times in this. We say, well, that's just a sin that I struggle with. And that's just a sin that I have a hard time with. Let me ask you this. Is it really the sin that you struggle with? Or is it the sin that you live in that you say is your struggle? Because I know for me, a lot of times I'll be like, oh, dude, that's just, that's, that's my area. That's just where I, I struggle. I have a hard time with that area. But most of the time, honestly, it's not me having a hard time. It's me living in it and being complacent in it and then saying I have a hard time and putting on a Christian face. And there's a sin that just really, really for all of us, and all of us it's different. But there's a sin in all of our life that's just 
It's just so easy to get ensnared and get entangled. But I want you to know this, that, that this word in the original language, in the original Greek, was not a word that was like, a, you know, that you kind of trip into. It's like it's got its stinking grips around you. It's ensnared you. It's entangled you. It's all around your legs. And you're just ensnared by this, by this sin. And it's not something that you just, you're going along and you're fighting, you're fighting, you're struggling, and every once in a while you trip and mess up. It's not like, like a tripping type sin. It's like a, it's got its grips around you. And this isn't your struggle. This is where you're living. And there's a huge difference between being tripped up by sin and being ensnared in sin. When I think about it, doesn't this make sense? That if I tried to run anything with endurance, with a big weight on my back, and my legs just entangled, and then tried to run five miles, it'd be like stinking impossible. I was actually at the gym right before I, I came here. Don't worry, I took a shower. And I, was, I wasn't even running. I was on the elliptical. It's like the, the, the geeky version of the treadmill. You know what I'm saying? Like, not quite in shape enough, so I'm just going to do one of these. You know, and you feel cool about it. And so I'm on one of those things. Not like I was just thinking, like this would even like not even like running, not even like an endurance race. I'm thinking like an endurance elliptical. You know what I mean? Like set it on 1.0, get like bungee cords, and I don't I don't know why. I just thought rope that you couldn't wouldn't work because you couldn't really like move at all. But if I'm just like ensnared, then you can like kind of move and you can kind of do one of those things. But I'm sitting there thinking, all right, I'm doing like 20 minutes on this thing. How much more would this suck with a 50 pound weight on my vest and like just elastic cords wrapped around my legs? And I'm sitting there trying to do this, and I'm just like. You know, I'm just thinking that would be awful. But I feel like that's such a, such a good description of what our spiritual life is when it comes to God. And then we get to February and we get to March and we get to April and we're just thinking, oh my gosh, you know, I guess it's just getting old. I guess it's just not that cool anymore. I guess just Christ and Him crucified isn't that relevant anymore. And I, don't, I really had these doubts and these questions anyways. And I'm just sitting here thinking, and I feel like God's just sitting there saying, no stinking way. It's because you're trying to run this race. You got this weight on your back. You got your legs completely ensnared. And now you're saying that I'm not relevant anymore. And that's BS. And some of us, we get to the point, and this happens so much in college, we're at the end of it. You try to say that you had a, an epiphany or you cerebrally, intellectually thought your way out of a relationship with God. And I've seen student after student come out of a youth ministry and come out of high school and fall away with God, and almost, I, I just haven't, maybe it's happened, maybe you're just the exception of the rule, but I've never seen it happen where a student fell out of a relationship with God because they were doing well, they didn't have weight on their shoulders, they didn't have sin entangled around their legs, and they just had, a, had, a, had an intellectual thought that says, you know what, I don't believe in God, I'm, I'm just not going to do that anymore. It was always, they were wrapped up in sin, they were wrapped up with this weight on their shoulders, they fell away from God, and they said, well, you know what, I always kind of had these doubts anyways. People almost always morally decide their way out of a relationship with God and almost never intellectually decide their way out of a relationship with God. If you ever come to the point where your relationship with God's going great and you just come to this intellectual epiphany that God's not real, then good for you. Because at least you had the, the audacity to think through it intellectually and think through it without the emotional turmoil and without the sin and without the regret and without the denial to say, you know what, I don't believe this anymore. That, that's you, cool. I'm okay with that. I'm just not okay with people deciding the way their relationship with God and blaming on an intellectual reason. Because that's not what 
weighs us down. It's what we're ensnared by and the weight on our back. I just feel like there's two reasons why I really care about this. One is because I want every single person to know how unbelievable it feels to have a real and have a fresh relationship with God. And I know how unbelievable it feels when you, when you pray at night and it doesn't feel like your prayers are bouncing off the walls, but it feels like your prayers are being personally heard by a personal God. And I know how much worth and how much purpose that brings in my life. I know how much joy I have when I wake up in the morning. You know, I've gotten to this sick personal routine where, like, it's, it's not a Christian song, but I just have a Christian thought about it. Where, like, I've been waking up in the morning and I'll, and I'll spend a little time in prayer and then, like, I'll just, I'll put on Michael Buble's The Best Is Yet To Come. You know what I mean? And I'm just thinking, you God, you're right. The best is yet to come. I'm saying, God, Michael's singing it, but I'm talking to God while Michael's singing. I'm just thinking, God, the, the best is yet to come. Like, this day's going to be cool. I have a purpose for this day. God, I can't wait to, for you to just show up and do something and move and talk to somebody. And God, however you want to use me, that'd be great. And I just want every single person to know what that feels like to have a fresh relationship with God. And I know from my personal experience how much weight and how much sin can just deter us from that. That's reason number one. Reason number two is because I think this is the greatest message in the history of the world. I think that every single person at Florida State University needs to know this and needs to hear about this. And I'm so glad the disciples didn't get there eight months ago or or a year later or a year and a half later and say, you know, oh my gosh, the whole crucifixion, that was like a year and a half ago. And, you know, whatever, like that's getting old. And I'm just kind of over that. They had this just burning passion. And if you look to the book of Acts, it's because the disciples were so unwavering in, in, in their relentless effort not to live with sin in their life and not to live with weight on their shoulders. And they were constantly talking back and forth to each other. Paul goes through one time where he goes through and he says, and I rebuked Peter to his face. In other words, there's a bunch of people around. Paul talks to him because he sees that Peter's starting to live like he's, like he's you know, this, this, this random Jewish person. He's starting to rely on all the rules and all that kind of stuff again. And so Paul says, you know what? I cared about him so much that I walked up to him and I talked to him square in the face, which is hugely different than church, you know, because we like to say, okay, this is what's going on with them, so let me not talk to your face. Let me talk behind your face. And then, you know, everybody will know about what's going on with your face. And then nobody knows about you. And then you hate church and you leave and everything goes, everybody goes to hell. It's this horrible thing. But they were just so unrelenting in their personal life and in their communal life to live with sin and to live in sin. And in fact, sometimes Paul would go to the point where he'd say, there's somebody in your, in, in your church, there's somebody in your group, there's somebody in your community that's so living in sin right now that you, you just need to kick them out. And I'm just like, no, you know, I'm a pastor. You know, we want everybody to come, everybody to feel good. And you got Jesus loves you, which he does. But there has to be a point where we as a group and a community of people say that we're not going to live in sin. We're not going to be entangled by sin. We're not going to live with this weight on this shoulder. Because personally, I want a relationship with God that's fresh and that feels real. And on top of that, it's the greatest message in the world. And honestly, I feel like the fact that we have this just sick band that plays. And I don't know about the speakers every week. I know I don't suck, you know, but just kidding. I know, I know, I know the other guys too. They're, they're really good, you know. I, to me, that just shows that, and I look at all the seats and I'm like, you know what, there's, how, what, like 20-something thousand, 30,000? How many people go to Florida State? Anybody know? 42? 
gosh, we can't even get like 400, you know, to fill more auditorium. How ridiculous is that? Not in a negative, you stink way, and I'm, I'm as much to blame as anybody else. But I just feel like that's indicative of our relationship with God. And if we really were living lives that we refuse to be weighed down by sin, and that if we refuse to let sin entangle us and, and, and let whatever happens, I just feel like this room would be full. I don't say that in like a, we want everybody to come, everybody to, you know, be about us. And Campus Crusade is the greatest cool thing ever because it's not. It is cool and it is neat. But Jesus Christ and the story of how he, in spite of all our sin, came to the earth, lived a perfect life, and died a brutal, horrific death because of his love for us is the greatest thing that the world has ever seen. I think the world needs to know about it. But it's not going to happen if we continue living lives that are weighed down spiritually, entangled in sin, and then we go try to save the world. Because what happens with us in our life is never anything more than the overflow of our relationship with God. And this is what he says to end it. And I love how, because at the end it's not like, okay, so here's a spiritual formula how to do this. He just says, take it off and let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us and let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith before the joy set before him endured the cross, which just blows my mind that he could actually see the crucifixion in his mind and have joy about it, knowing how much he loved us and how much it was about to set us free. And so the joy that was set before him in the cross, which is just the not joyous thing in the history of the world, he's scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And considered him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I just love that. Because he ends by saying, all right, so here's what you do. Here's, here's the really spiritual formula. You decide you're not going to be held down by sin. You're not going to be held down by some weight that's not sinful. You're not going to be ensnared by sin. And you just look to Jesus, the author and the perfecter, the finisher of our faith. And sometimes we like to make it really complicated. It's really not. So don't get weighed down. Make a decision to not get weighed down. And then don't let the sin ensnare you. So I want to end with two questions. First one is this. For you personally, what's the weight that's on your shoulders that you're trying to run this spiritual life of a journey and it's just weighing you down? What is that? Second one is this. Is the sin that has a tendency to easily ensnare you, ensnaring you, are you living it or are you just every once in a while stumbling in it? Are you okay with it and are you cool with it? Because if you are, and that's why three weeks later, that's why a semester later, that's why a couple months later, you don't feel God. Your relationship with God feels like it's awful. Because you got weighed down, you got snared real simple. So make a decision to get rid of it. And just look to Jesus. He is the one that gives us the strength and the endurance. He is the author, the perfecter, and the finisher of our faith. God, we, um, This, this, this stuff's difficult for us sometimes, even though you are really, really worth it. 
and you are really, really holy, and you are really, really unbelievable. You are a huge, incredible God, and you're a holy God, and you're a perfect God, and God, you're so, or we're so not even kind of righteous enough and holy enough to be even associated with your name. But yet, you loved us so much that you sent your son to die for us, and we just are eternally grateful for that. And Father, we just pray for all of us who have weight on our backs tonight that you can help us just to get rid of it. God, whether it's a decision that we need to make to not let what the past had affect us now, whether it's a decision, God, to get rid of the relationship, God, whether it's a decision to, to not be overcome by insecurities, God, but just to be filled with your Holy Spirit, God, help us to make that decision tonight. And God, for all of us, for the sin that so easily ensnared us, that so many of us tonight are living in that we've said is our struggle, but it's just not. It's just we're okay with it. We're mediocre in it, and we're just cool with it. God, I pray that you will, by the power of your Holy Spirit, convict us and help us to make a decision to follow you. And God, that we can just turn our eyes to you because you are the author. You are the perfecter. You're the finisher. God, you're the one who gives us the strength to continue to run after you.